0: Hey, everybody, when you hear that music, you know it's time for On the latter Side of Baseball. And I got to tell you what, this is episode one of our sixth exciting season. And I'm telling you what, this is going to be better than ever. I just feel it. And uh, we're kicking off today. Uh, we've got a guest coming. And I will uh, let you know in a few minutes who that guest is going to be uh, in the next couple of days. We're going to do a gaming uh, uh, segment with... Uh, My son, Andrew, who uh, knows way too much from uh, what I can gather about gambling and uh, how to do it, where to do it, and when to do it in this uh, current age, Uh, he tells me that there are 41 different venues where you can sit at home in one of those venues and gamble through the entire game. Oh my God, can you spell the word addiction? Luckily, he's not. He knows when to quit, or so he tells me, and... uh, Relevant to uh, one of the Chicago Cubs, Moneymakers is their little sports book that is uh, attached by brick and mortar to the friendly confines of Wrigley Field, and they don't have a license yet. Can you believe that? Ricketts must not know how to go about greasing the palm of the uh, Gaming Commission in the great state of Illinois. But uh, we'll get to that. They expect to get one here before uh, uh, the—they were hoping to get it before the Final Four— uh, and that's in uh, March, they tell me, March Madness. So March Madness to me is the final days of spring training. And speaking of spring training, uh, the Cubs and the White Sox tee it up, not uh, literally on a tee, but on the baseball field at um, in Arizona on February 23rd. Today is January 17th. The divisional playoffs are about to take place this weekend in the NFL. The Chiefs travel to... Buffalo for Patrick Mahomes' first away playoff game, which should be interesting. The temperatures shouldn't be much more than 20 to 25 degrees. So that's a big improvement over what it was last week in Kansas City. And uh, with the division playoffs, then you have the league championship, and then you have the Super Bowl. And what does the Super Bowl mean? The Super Bowl means it's getting close to time for baseball. So that is pretty light. Uh, we need to try to figure out a few things that are light on the lighter side of baseball podcast. And, uh, you know, hopefully Craig Kishan uh, will join us. There's some news and developments with the Bally uh, sports network and their bankruptcy and the Sinclair, Manu- uh, Sinclair broadcast company, which owns the rights to and runs the Bally sports network uh, book of business. Supposedly 11 or 12 teams have been uh, placed into bankruptcy And who is coming to the rescue but Amazon Prime? They have currently worked out a deal. Now, Major League Baseball is trying to swoop in and grab at a discount value all of the rights to televise local sports in uh, these particular markets for baseball. But Amazon has come in with a proposal uh, to get a percentage of uh, ownership from the Diamond Sports Network, which is the parent uh, that runs these sports channels uh, in conjunction with and with the assistance and blessing of Sinclair. So it's a long story, but by and large, what it looks like to me is the five teams that are in the uh, uh, scope of Amazon, and we all know Amazon from Thursday Night Football, we all know Peacock from stealing the rights for $110 million, grand larceny, uh, to broadcast to the exclusion of the world the Chiefs game against uh, uh, the Dolphins last week, much to my chagrin. But be that as it may, Amazon is uh, going to take over if the bankruptcy judge approves it, the rights... To broadcast the Detroit Tigers, the Kansas City Royals, the Miami Marlins, the Milwaukee Brewers, which affects certainly my buddy Craig's future, and the Tampa Bay Rays, which affects my buddy Dwayne Stat's future. So anyway, we're going to try to track those guys down, they may be looking at their uh, caller ID, and when I call, they go, I'm not talking to this guy. I've done enough podcast, five years of podcasts with these guys. And, uh, you know, with our sponsorship growing by leaps and bounds from zero to zero, uh, those guys aren't taking home a lot of money for doing on the side, on the life side of baseball. Though, uh, you know, Craig, I think, has uh, uh, benefited by some of the, uh, gifts that we send him great gifts, you know, bow ties, um, all sorts of things, you know he's probably never worn a bow tie in his life. But we're looking forward to getting Craig back on. We're looking forward to getting Dwayne back on. Uh, we've got uh, a former Cub who's on his way to fantasy camp this weekend. And he's going to be our special guest. And that's none other than Bobby Dernier. So Bobby will be joining us in, uh, in a little while on the uh, podcast. And that'll be fun to catch up on the Cubs convention he was one of the guys that was able to brave the weather and get in from uh, Kansas City to Chicago. Others couldn't make it. Ryan Sandberg couldn't make it to the chagrin of everybody. Chagrin is the word of the day, apparently. Uh, Christopher Burrell, the guy with the nickname, SEMO. SEMO couldn't get it, which immediately ignited trade rumors that SEMO was on his way out. It's uh, <laughs> the trade... Trade Rubers are kind of it's a it's an oxymoron, I suppose. Uh the Cubs the Cubs have been symbolic of the other floppo team in Chicago, the Chicago Bears. And what do Bears do in the winter? They hibernate. And what has Jet Hoyer done every friggin' winter since he's been in charge? He's typically hibernated. Yeah, he signed Dansby Swanson. But he comes in and he he does one deal, and it goes right back to the illusion of wanting to win. They paid $40 million for Craig Council, which we've already talked about. And uh, I thought that was a ma- major mistake, but it doesn't go against the luxury tax, so they don't really care about that. They're paying David Ross a couple million a year. They don't really apparently care about that. And so everybody thought when the Cubs went in at the beginning of the offseason and made this deal with Craig counsel that the cubs are going to do something wrong oh i mean wrong oh they have done basically nothing they could have signed hater they could have signed snell they could have signed belanger they could have signed um a lot of people bellinger number one Snell number two hater number three no no man we are looking for good deals well, what do you think Josh Hader is? He's a if you want to win, Josh Hader's the best deal in baseball. If you want to win, Bellinger is the second best deal in baseball. And Snell will give you five innings till his arm falls out, which won't be for a long time. So, you know, Jed is just, I, I, I went into the off season. I'm going to be calm. I'm not going to rip on the Cubs and I made it five minutes into uh, 2024, and the liners out of, of baseball. I mean, that's so I mean, come on. He signed this Japanese fella who won the game, last game of the World Baseball Classic, and I'm going to learn all these guys' names. I guess I have to, but I, you know, I know Shohei Otani. They didn't get him. And then they had this other pitcher. They didn't get him. Then they got the guy they did get because he lived in Chicago. His agent lived in Chicago. He didn't want to leave. You know, pretty good deal. I don't want to move. I like it here. The weather's great. 15 below zero over the weekend, 10 or 15 inches of snow, depending on where you live. You can't beat this climate for, you know, a Japanese fellow getting ready for the 2024 season. People have said, and I love this. I love this. uh, I can't remember which one of my callers, my fans growing list of fans, I can't remember who said this, but they called him the Japanese version of Ted Lilly. Now, I'll take Ted as a number four guy. I won't take Ted as a number two guy. And who's number one? Really, who's number one? Who's number two? Who's number three? You know, uh, last year, they had... uh, struggle to put together a pitching staff and uh you know they made qualifying offers and uh you know that didn't that didn't work out so well um so they've got Kyle Hendricks and not sure who they have after that that really has an established record but be that as it may they they to had a team in major need of help, and so far, no help. Now, Jed Hoyer, either directly or indirectly, either through uh, someone reading tea leaves or what, ha- what have you, has indicated that he is not done. Well, he's barely started. He's not done. He's going to sign some guys and be very active in the last few weeks of the offseason, but nah. We're going to hear, you know, we like our team. We think it's good. We think it's competitive, especially in this crappy division called the Central Division of the of the National League. All we really got to beat out is Milwaukee, and they got rid of a bunch of guys. And then we got to beat up the upstart Cincinnati team. And Pittsburgh's been kind of a pain in the butt to us. And the Cardinals are actually going out and really doing a lot of things like getting Lance Lynn. That's going to really... Uh, replace Adam Wainwright, I suppose, in terms of age. Uh, maybe they're going for the oldest team in the National League. I don't know. But they, they needed to do something, and they really have not. They just spent $4 million signing. What position do they not need? One position they do not need, really two. But the most position they don't need, they got they've got three or four guys, including... 177 million dollars worth of reasons not to sign a shortstop and that is the position of shortstop they signed dansby's launch into a seven-year contract he's 29 by my calculations usually used up one year six to go he'll be 35 when his contract runs out and they probably won't renegotiate now six years from now uh is Horner ready to move back to shortstop or do we leave him at second base or what i mean We've got all these interchangeable parts to a mediocre team, and we, again, it's not we, I I don't have anything to do with the Cubs. I don't even have a ticket right now, but I do know they don't need a shortstop, so what they do in the international signing draft, of which they had the fourth pick, they went out and signed a 17-year-old Dominican shortstop named Cruz. Now, I like his name, he's got a pretty good possibility of being in the major leagues, but Okay, you know, trade bait, or we'll put him at third, or we'll put him at second, or maybe he can play left field. I don't know. Right now, they have the same ridiculously bad team they had last year, and they've lost. They lost Stroman. They made him a qualifying offer of twenty million plus, and he's here's how much he loves Chicago. He signed with the Yankees for less than the Cubs offered. <laughs> yeah, got a, got an extra year. The Cubs would have given him two years at at, uh, what, $18 million a year? I mean, for all the guys, like I said last year, the guys that love Chicago, they say they love Chicago, they really want to get out of Chicago, so they've figured out what to say to get out. Anyway, great year coming up, and stuff that I love. The Hall of Fame is coming up. I hope Todd Helton gets in this year. I mean, I've got like four autographed bats from T- Todd Helton, the best hitter other than Larry Walker, to play for the um, Colorado Rockies. Now, maybe Chris Bryant will show me in the future, but I don't think so. Bryant, man, he's got the money and he doesn't care. I love it. He cares. Don't, don't sue me. He cares. but He doesn't care that much. Because if he cared, why would anybody that cares sign with the Colorado Rockies? Now, here's a dilemma. Here is a conundrum, not a good word. Here is the situation that Major League Baseball and the Players Association have created, and that is a massive playoff system where winning the division doesn't really mean that much. Reference the 2023 World Series. Wildcard teams galore everywhere. No division winner in the, in the wild card. Now, Texas would say, yeah, wait a minute. We won the division. We just lost. the. Pl- we didn't have a play-in game, and they beat us in the you know games we played against the Astros. Okay, I'll give them that. The Diamondbacks have given new love to all the Chintze owners, including uh, Ricketts. Okay, uh, they have... Um, Gone with their sixty million dollar payroll. I think it was sixty million. I mean, you know, before I start throwing those things out, I suppose I ought to try to read my my horrible writing and see what the uh, Diamondbacks payroll was for last year. Of course, uh, I think it was sixty three million dollars. We'll get a uh, uh, we'll get a take on that because there are some. Really bad payrolls that managed to get into the playoffs. And for example, the D backs were able to, um, to do that. Now, they had a little bigger payroll than the Rays and the Orioles. The Rays and the Orioles, man, um, uh, they had the littlest payroll and they won a lot of, a lot of games. So I think that gives hope to Jed. All I need to do is get my team into the playoffs. Now, I thought, as a fan, the uh, and it won't come as a major surprise to my listeners, I, I thought the uh, format that has evolved through the greed of everybody has become uh, pretty, pretty boring. I think they play, number one, they should play, if a team ties for the playoff, for the uh, division, They shouldn't go games against each other like the NFL has done. They should go on one-game playoff. The one team that wins is the division title holder. The team that loses gets a wild card. Okay? Uh, Now, I don't think that would flop. I suppose if it was really a crummy division like the central divisions of each league and there was a tie, the loser might be out second-place team might be out. I don't know. Haven't really looked at that. Don't really care. But that um, that is causing all these guys to think, well, wait a minute. Unlike uh, one team, though, the Los Angeles Dodgers won the division, won 101 or two or three or four games, and um, got knocked out of the playoffs, like, in the first round. Got the bye, went to the play the wild-card winner and got – beaten and I think by the Diamondbacks. I'm, I'm not positive on that, but I believe that I'm, uh, I'm correct. Yeah, the D-backs knocked out the Dodgers. So what did the Dodgers do? Did, did Magic sit tight? Did he do what Jed did? And we're not going to make bad deals. We're just going to make smart deals, which means, AKA, as I've said for years, that means we ain't doing diddly. They have spent a billion dollars on two Japanese guys. And yet, if you look at sport tracks, listing of MLB payrolls, the Dodgers are in eighth place. Now, how, how do you do this? By going after multi-gazillionaires who don't need the money today and defer it all. The deferment plan, the Tokyo pay-me-later plan. I'll be back in Japan before my money vests. Just here's my wire. Transfer it. So you look at the uh uh Dodgers and and they have paid spent so much money. They are trying hard to duplicate the debacle of the Mets. Now the Japanese pair Shohei can't even pitch this year. But I mean remember the Mets last year signed Verlander and Scherzer thinking well this will get us you know with Jacob deGrom going away this will get us to the promised land. Wrong. I mean, what gets you to the promised land? Is it really a World Series anymore? Is it just the MLB playoffs and, and call it the Super Series instead of the Super Bowl? I don't know. I really don't know. But those are some things that are going to be pretty uh, pretty interesting to follow. And then you have, you know, uh, opening day and, and traveling around and, and uh, talking baseball, which is fun to do. So uh, the only rule change that I'm aware of is you can't, block second base which you know certainly makes sense in light of the home plate rule where you have to provide an avenue to the plate i think the new rule that i think is coming into account will be you cannot block all of second base okay so that that is what um i think we're going to get to then um i think we're going to talk a little bit about various stadiums memorabilia Few of my lawsuits that involve baseball, and I've talked about them before, but hey, this is the sixth year. Uh, sure, unlike me, you probably don't go back on Spotify, Apple, uh, iTunes, or on SoundCloud or Facebook or anywhere else. You can get this fine podcast and listen to the other 150 podcasts because they are all exciting. But uh, now in the sixth year, we move into being current again. Okay. So uh, it's going to be a great year. I predict, uh, please, you know, Jed, go get Bellinger. It, it, they don't have a star. Again, it goes back to you got to have a star. You got to have somebody that the, the fans want to go see. Okay. Do I? Uh, okay. SEMO's I like SEMO. You know, the Cubs don't have a star without Belly. Without hater, without Snell, go get some N A M E S names. names. Alright. Maybe our guest in a little while, Mr. Deneer, will have some answers uh, and so at least some vision of hope that from what the buzz was at the Cubs Convention, he thinks they're gonna go out and make some deals. Now, hopefully that's true. Hopefully he says that. Hopefully he says it because he has some knowledge. We don't know. But we will be back in just a few minutes with the only person to ever win the gold glove for the Chicago Cubs in center field. The Deer, Bobby Denier, one of two who Harry Carey termed the Daily Double along with Ryan Sandberg. So the Deer will be with us in a little while. And when the deer gets here, he will run like you would expect. As Marty Schottenheimer used to say, you can't stop a deer. <laughs> you got to have lived in Kansas City and seen that ad. God love Marty. And um, that's it. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about a tribute to Joe Pepitone, who passed away this past year and was a regular at Fantasy Camp. And uh, there you go. So on behalf of all of our staff here on the lighter side of baseball, so it's Jamie Rusky saying, Hold on, we'll be back in a few with the deer. Hey, everybody, we're back on the lighter side of baseball year six, if you can believe it. And leading off, well, who else would we have leading off our podcast season than the ultimate leadoff man, the deer? The Daily Double, I'm, I've studied up on this guy, even though he's been on the show every year, Bobby Denier, the only guy to win a gold glove in center field for the Chicago Cubs. Man, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. Happy New Year.
0: Happy New Year to you, man. It's uh, it's cold here. I imagine it's not golf weather where you are either.
1: No, I've, I've got my golf clubs ready to pack, though. I'm heading for Florida Saturday and get to play down there a little bit. Uh, this coming, over the next two or three weeks, I'll be down there twice and kind of shake off some of this winter you know it's it's 20 below stuff makes you want to hibernate you know that's why we played baseball
0: well and you know you played you grew up in kansas city so i'm sure you were a little bit used to some chilly weather in the spring during uh, your high school oh,
1: career. yeah no doubt and even you know opening day many years and on the east coast or up north in chicago or wherever we opened up other than the west coast maybe Houston or something like that. Uh, you had you know thirty three light snow and right you know a three o'clock game in in Philadelphia or New York or something. And uh, I never did like cold weather uh, when it came to playing baseball. I don't think last week Tyreek Hill liked that cold weather here in Kansas City either.
0: Boy, I'll tell you what it. You know the uh, the coldest game I went to was the Bears against the Giants the year the. Bears with Ditko into the Super Bowl and it was the first round, Soldier Field, 30 below wind chill Factor. And it's it's the uh it's the year that Lendetta hit the punt backwards. It was just a miserable day. And then uh I was at the I think the Chiefs played the uh Bills back in the Montana era. And um I don't know if you got to know Bobby Rich, Bob Rich, during your days in, in in baseball, but Bob tried to get a major league team in Buffalo, owns the Bisons, and, and Rich Rich Stadium just happened to be named after his family. Right. So I just called him, said, "Hey, Bob, you want to make a bet on the game?" And he goes, "Are you going?" I go, "No." He says, "You want me to send a plane for you?" And I go, "Well, what do you mean?" He goes, well, you, I'm not going to be there, but you want My daughter will entertain you in the suite." I said. Sounds good to me, man. I I've never been treated so good. So hats off to Bob Rich.
1: Yeah, very nice. Yeah, I played in Buffalo in in Double A in 1980. Uh, Buffalo had a Pittsburgh Pirate uh, team up there, and and I think Tony Pena was on that team. And uh we used to, we played in that old stadium where the Bills used to play. So when you played baseball there, right center field was like. 240 or or 280 you know to the gap yeah, little league yeah and i i think you know that was back in the o j simpson era back in the 70s you know yeah, that sure. i think i don't know what they called that stadium but we we played baseball up there in, in the double a eastern league back in 1980
0: so man that is uh, that's great speaking of it like we'll get over to we'll get to the cov convention pretty quick i you know i'm a baseball memorabilia freak and i i was looking through some stuff last week and i i just flipping pages in an 82 set of tops and i came upon none other than a young bobby denier there on a rookie card with um mark davis who you know had a pretty good career i think as i recall and then ozzy virgil who you know you know those guys and yeah and then a, uh, I don't know what year this is. I guess this is an 83 Dernier, but you're all over, man. You're famous.
1: Well, you know, one thing, when I was a kid, I don't know about you, but in the 60s, you know, spin back to the, you know, way back machine, uh, we collected baseball cards. And back then, you know, it was mostly for that little hard stick of gum. Yeah. That you, that you wanted out of that pack. And then the baseball cards, you'd thumb through them and say, okay, you know, and I'd have Mickey Mantle and, you know, and Bobby Richardson and Tom Tresh and Dick McAuliffe and Bert Campanaris. He's my favorite player, you know? So I can still think of those days like a 10 year old. And all I thought about back then was, you know, man, that would be so cool to have your own baseball card. And, uh, so, uh, playing in the big leagues was like, that was a reach, you know, like, you know, sure. I was backyard dreaming, you know, I'm hitting in the world series and, you know, you hit a cool. wiffle ball over the clothesline in the backyard. You know that kind of stuff. The night. But the real cool part was having your own baseball card. That's what I thought. Man, now crazy. I've got this. Yeah, now I've got this. You know, whatever ten year glossary of them. And I often tell the kids when I'm, you know, I'm out doing something or or signing autographs or something like uh, like that. I, I'll, I'll immediately think of those days. Like, man, it's still cool to have your own baseball card.
0: Oh, it's so, I mean, beyond cool to, because like 99.9% of the world doesn't have their own baseball card, including yours truly. And, uh, not that I live vicariously, but I know when, uh, our good buddy, uh, Nellie, uh, would go out and he was always out talking with kids and stuff. He would, he would, when he died, there were like 500 Dave Nelson cards in his desk. Uh, guys would write to him, which I'm sure they write to you and say, you know, Mr. Nelson, would you do, -do?" and if he went, he'd take a bunch of baseball cards with him. And, uh, it's, it's cool. I mean, I I keep them
1: with me today. You know, I run into a kid, you know, I run into a father, son or something at the airport or I run, you know, Cub fans are everywhere, Jamie. Yeah. I can run into them at my grocery store up here five minutes from home. That's spectacular. Wow. You know, how do you come by the Cubs? You know, and then I'll hear a story inevitably you know about a grandfather or a dad or a wife or something something that connects them right and you know i feel like you know it's it's an amazing relationship and i just left the cubs convention this past weekend so we got a full dose of that giant hug from cub fans and um, hanging out with some old teammates of course the 84 team we had a 40-year reunion of sort uh, celebration up there and then we're going to do some other stuff later in the summer as well
0: that's cool And we'll get to the, I want to hear all about the fantasy camp. You said you were going back to fantasy camp. Is that a new format since Randy's out of it or is tell me about fantasy camp.
1: Yeah, it's a little different. Um, uh, the last two years we've gone with a, a group, just, um, basically two teams worth of guys, uh, to Vegas. And I joined Lee Smith and Ed Lynch and, um, Uh, Ray Burris went, uh, and anyway, so this year now, uh, this is all of course, you know, the post COVID years and Randy, you know, Randy Hundley kind of quit doing his fantasy camp right there. Um, after, you know, the, the one we did in, in, uh, January of 2020 and then COVID hit. So it's been kind of a gap, but this year they decided a bunch of those guys that have been in Vegas the last couple of years decided they wanted to go to Florida and play in what is an uh, eight-team fantasy camp week where there's, I think there are uh, two teams from uh, Boston, from the Red Sox guys, and there's three teams of Baltimore Oriole guys, and there's two teams of Chicago Cub guys. So there's a, a total of eight, I think, seven or eight teams. I can't remember exactly. It might be three, three, and two, two, three, and two, something like that. And uh, I get the honor of joining Ray Burris. We're going to team up and then Tim Stoddard and um, uh, who else is coming? I think with him, Remlinger, oh, yeah. uh, another old left-handed pitcher is going to be joining Tim. And then a bunch of guys. I saw Allinson, uh Tom Bergmeier is going to be down there. I live not far from Tom right. here in Kansas City. Um, some guys I know, uh, Steve Crawford, Red Sox guy. And so we do a week down in, Fort Myers, and one day I think we splinter off after a morning and go play golf. But it's a it's a fun week, so I'm yeah. looking forward. To- so
0: is it eight <clears throat> eight teams of fantasy campers, and then
1: you guys. Correct. So there'll be yeah. two two of us with each team. Nice. And I think I I can't remember exactly, but I think it's I think it's um, seven. So I think it's two. Two Boston, three Baltimore, and two Cub teams. So I, th- I think it's a total of seven teams. But I could be wrong by.
0: Oh, by one. That'll be nice, and what a great uh, what a great time to get out of the Midwest
1: and break up the winter, winter. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of fantasy camp, I uh, uh, respects to you know a guy who you were I'm sure good friends with, Joe Pepitone passed away this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Pepe got called up, uh, you know, he's up there with Beckert and Gene Oliver and Sano and Ernie, all those cats, you know, we did the um, fantasy camp with Randy, you know, beginning back in the mid-90s, and all those guys were were coming to the camp down there at the old Dobson Ranch in Mesa, Arizona, and uh, I'm sure they got there. There I am, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, there you are, you know. With with Sano. yeah. And Ron was so, you know, he's such uh, he a was, big part of that back was in the day. So much
0: fun. I mean, you and Billy, well, of course I've known you from Virgin. And Island, Billy. Yes. But, uh, Billy and, uh, uh, all those guys, man. I mean, it just, uh, it was great. And of course I got hurt in the first hour, but it didn't matter. It was worth right. just being around you guys. It was great.
1: Yeah. Larry Bittner's another one that's yeah. up there. I'm sure they got their own fantasy camp going on up there in heaven. And, uh, Pulling for us to keep it going down here yeah. it's kind of what i called jamie i call it the drive-in theater approach to fantasy camps when when randy when i first started going you know they were at that old dobson ranch right yeah and that kind of that uh, motel-y kind of environment right and you go out the pools out there in the middle and there's pepitone laying out in the pool with the with the speedos on with the girlfriend with the buddy from home and all that you know just all of that environment uh that they brought to that um and invited us younger guys to start participating and you know we brought our edge to it and uh and to this day i you know i really feel uh, grateful that i got the opportunity to share that with them i mean you know they were uh they were when you look back at film and you watch that group play back in the 60s oh. and 70s uh you wonder how they didn't put something together and win they yeah. had so many great players you know so but as former players, I can tell you they adopted us, and those years were priceless. Uh, you know, I certainly miss them as we're as we're talking about them right now.
0: Yeah, I I don't blame you. I mean, I only went the uh, the one year, but um, and some of those guys, you know, I got to meet through you know the Virgin Islands or through Nelly or through other contacts we had with the uh, uh, with Kansas City Royals and stuff. But still, um, it's a who just a you know, hang out like with Fergie for a little while or Fergie's with another uh, one, yeah. Smith and some of those guys that were down there when I was down there and
1: Beckert was hilarious. And probably, he was probably my favorite, by the way, Beckert, you know, that guy was just, he was just funny squared and, and just in, in normal life. I mean, he would do stuff that was just kind of normal stuff that, and he would create almost like an, I love Lucy segment all by himself, you know, yeah. just Kind of slapstick comedy, and he had a wry sense of humor, and I think he just enjoyed the the camaraderie, you know. And uh, we became good friends. I, I I still miss Glenn a lot today.
0: Yeah, I will tell you what, I I you, when I went, everybody it was at the Best Western Motel over there in Mesa, and um, I can remember that just like in in Saint Froy, there was a booze room. And with a lot more booze in, in Mesa than there was that I recall in, although I don't think there was an unending amount of rum down in, uh, with the uh, painkillers
1: in St. Yeah. Point. Van- but, vanilla rum, vanilla rum for me.
0: Oh uh, man, I'll tell you what, the, uh, but I remember Willie Wilson being, you know, guys would be hanging out at the pool and then go to bed. And willie be in that room drinking or hanging out. And then yeah. when we wake up in the morning, Willie was still there. God, dude, you got some stand
1: power. Yeah, well, uh, Gene Oliver used to run that room down there in Hunley's camp um, right there, and it was right there by the pool, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I I never could drink a lot. Um, When I did try to, I usually paid a dear price for it, but during fantasy camp, I mean, it's kind of no holes barred, you know, you just, you figure you can sleep, you know, the rest of the winter, and when you go home, see, you just, you burn the candle a little bit down there, and uh but I think that's what those guys really want. Jamie, you know, when you come to fantasy camp, they don't want a bunch of us to show up. And then, you know, you go to the ballpark and do that. And then you don't see them the rest of the night or day. Right. Uh, they they want to hang out. And, and that's big, you know, a big reason that was so successful for Randy was we, uh, we all understood that. And so we made the effort, you know, to hang out. Plus we liked hanging out with, with each other and you made new friends and enjoyed hanging out with Absolutely. them. And yeah. So that's still, that's still alive and well today.
0: Yeah. And there was, a little, I remember that Hundley came to the Virgin islands a couple of years. So we got to play, play golf together. And, uh, so it was fun to get to, to spend a little bit of, of time like that on the golf course with Randy. Great yeah. guy. Um, all those memories are fun. I remember the last dinner, Lee Smith telling me to shut up. I talked too much. I mean, it was a great memory.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, Smitty's he's still—he's a little laundry still today. Uh, I talked with him not too long ago. He didn't make it to the, um, pardon me, to the fantasy camp this year or to the convention rather. Right. Um, but he's busy. He's a little busier now. You know, he's got that Hall of Fame tag, so he yeah, gets—he gets a lot of offers. And uh, like you, I miss those years. We went down to St. Croix mainly because of Dave Nelson. He was the one who invited me the first time, and I went—I uh, think eleven years in a row, and. Yeah, You know, all those relationships uh, uh, that were made down there, I still miss today. And uh, they, you know, they, the Queen Louise home was, of course, that was a big focus. And, uh, you know, I hope things are going well down there. I, I haven't been yeah. back, but I tell my wife all the time, we never did go on a honeymoon because we honeymooned with the 2016 world champion Cubs. You know, I was up there doing the Fox pre and post game stuff. And right. I remember that. Yeah. You. so. We- we we left two days after after we got married and and said well when we're done with that then we'll come home we'll figure out we're gonna honeymoon so well you know five weeks later well, we got home you know
0: I want to go back I you know I talk about going back I'd give you a holler if we ever set anything up to go back uh, uh you know I still keep a little bit in touch with the rum runner guys and played played in a couple golf tournaments with um. Uh, in in Scott's deal with um some of those guys that, that were involved in the in the uh, Queen Louise deal, and then of course Bob Solis, is yeah, big with open arms. And we've been down there a couple times to see that, but I'm dying to get back. I'd, I'd like to uh call, I need a
1: dose name. of carambola, you know, yeah, man, you that know, golf course was addictive. I mean, it was it had personality, and I i i loved playing it, it wasn't perfect but when they they got it dolled up for that tournament you know the the greens rolled good it was well manicured it was fun to play
0: well yeah so i miss it what i liked you know i'm a baseball junkie and luckily my professional career i was able to get involved in a lot of baseball related legal matters but be that as it may what i liked about saint croix beyond any imagination is a lot of the guys and and a lot of the Latin American ballplayers would sit out at the buccaneer uh if I think that was the name of the hotel yep. you know they' take a chair out and they'd all be out on the porch, quayar
1: and Tia yeah. and Oliva and
0: all these guys and there was yeah. nowhere they couldn't get away from me.
1: It yeah, was Louis, Louis Tian and his wife Maria I'll always remember during that time frame um, getting to sort of pal with him. You know, that big cigar, you know, that yeah. that wonderful cigar that he would smoke from somewhere. You know, I'm sure he got it from somewhere in Cuba. And well, uh, just, then, you know, just he's, hearing you know, those stories, you know.
0: He and his kids started their cigar company. And, uh, in fact, I got a box over here of cigars that he signed the the box. So, you know, he, Gary Peters, you know, just it was just fun for <laughs> for years, truly. But. I have never, never gone to a Cubs convention.
1: And I know you go every year. Uh, You probably ought to do that one, one time in your life. And I can get you, you know, I'm, I'm your edge there. I can, I can set you up pretty good. And, and, uh, one year you have to figure out when you can get away with it and let me know. That'd
0: be great. I mean, I'd love to, we've still got our condo downtown. So it'd be pretty, pretty easy to get over to the hotel. What, um, what's, what's the biggest buzz going on, uh, Besides the old guys in the 84 team. But I mean, currently, you know, the Cubs haven't made too many moves. And uh, did, did you hear any good good rumors that they were going to sign Bellinger next week or anything?
1: Well, that's the one. I mean, that's you're dead on the nail. That's what everybody was chirping about. You know, are you going to? I did talk to Jed Hoyer a little bit. Um, you know, it's, you know, agents and I think Boros isn't, you know, yeah, the agent there. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of dancing going on um so to speak, you know in that in that world, you know, belly he deserves to get paid i mean there's there's no doubt there I mean he's just had that kind of that roller coaster um first half dozen years, you know and but yet he's sort of noticed you know that he's an mVP type player, yeah the question is, with all of us, jamie i mean the the fear that they have. Uh, when it comes to paying you is, you know, we're not robots. So you can't really, you have to factor in the human stuff and, gee, is he going to be consistent? You know, is he going to do the same things he's doing that we want to pay him to do next year and the year after and whatever that three, yeah. four or five year, whatever that contract dictates, is he the kind of guy that you can sort of trust and then cross your fingers that he stays healthy, you know? Before you pay them. And so, you know, the dilemma there with when you when you show some inconsistency as a young player, which most of us do. Right. You know, that that's something you kind of gain control of as you get older. Um, you know, what I watched the movie, I saw, if you will, watching him last year and the years before. You know, if he wants to be in Chicago and those teammates like him, and this team is bonding a little bit, looks like they meld well. You know, Hap and Horner and Suzuki and so on. Uh, boy, I, I think I'd pay him, and that's just my opinion. And then, and they signed a left hander out of Japan for the for the, you know, to be a starter for him. They spent a little bit there. You know, it's not my money; it's Tom Ricketts' money. So you know, it's not. You know, if it was Jamie's money, what would you do?
0: Amen. I'll tell you what I, well, here's what I do. I would have signed Bellinger in June said, man, you and Dansby Swansby are the guys and, and we're good with you guys and everybody else. And we're going to pay you what we think we owe you and what you're going to be for us. And you're not going to, if you turn out like Hayward, you turn out like Hayward. I mean, very few guys are Bryce Harper. Very few guys are going to improve every year of a seven-year contract. But here's what I would have done, and I've said it on the podcast last year, and, you know, Hoyer and Ricketts got, uh, you know, love them or hate them. Um, I would have, I, with all that money, and you look at what the Dodgers are doing, and you look at what, you know, money they've gotten, revenue sources, I would have signed Bellinger. I would have gone out and signed Snell, I would have gone out and signed Hader, and I probably would have gotten Chapman. And yeah, those were all big boys. You you got and here here again. This is me. You got to have a star. You got to have a Rhino. You got to have a Derek Lee. You got to have an Aramis Ramirez. You got to have a Bobby DeNier. You got to have guys that people know and want to go see. Right now, who who on the Cubs? I don't want, I don't care about Hap. I don't care really much about Suzuki. I mean, they're okay guys. Um, I it's like with the Chiefs. I'd go pay to see Mahomes any day of the year. But am I going to go out and and pay to see? Um, I don't know. The Chiefs are bad. They're a good team, but to me, he's got the money. Go pay, make the fans happy. But I thought the roster was bad last year, and I love I love morale. Um and, you, man, you need a first baseman? There's Bellinger. Or, or the, here's my problem, and then I'll shut up. I think Hoyer, for some unknown reason, loves this um, Peter Crow Armstrong guy because he traded away a good player for him. So he's living with this guy. He goes through 0 oh, for September, and Belly tries, they try to, like, hey, man, you know, you only get a bad blah, blah, blah. And I, I think that that's one position for Bellinger. And then they they go out and do that trade with the Dodgers, get a third baseman and say he's going to play first. There's the other position for Bellinger. So hopefully this is all just a screw with Boris. I
1: don't know. Yeah, is it's, it is <laughs> it is hard. And and remember, too, you know, uh, they did go ahead and uh, pay half. Uh, they paid Horner, I think, you know, in the neighborhood of, Probably a little over 100 million total. Yeah, between between the two young guys, I think they were worthy of getting paid. You you got a little, you got a little, uh, you know, discount if you will, then rather than waiting until they become a free agent. And they both have been pretty consistent players, so they will get paid, right, at some point. Well, they got them at a somewhat of a team friendly number and locked them up for a little while. And Suzuki, of course, they paid him out of Japan. Right, and and I paid another kid out of Japan, um, you know. So they're not afraid to spend and 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 spend wisely. I got to give them credit in some ways for that, because now maybe maybe if we're right, they do have enough nuggets left in the basket to go ahead and pay a guy like Bellinger, who you're going to have to like Dansby. Right, you're going to have to pay him, and and so if you're going to go in cheap, you're going to finish third in the in the bidding. So you know then you're gonna be third in the division. Well, I don't think they're willing to settle for that. I think they are maybe smarter than both of us and 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 they got their ducks in a row, but the proof's in the pudding until you actually execute it, we're gonna be questioning you know what your plan is. and so for right now, anyway, they do need a third baseman. They do need to you know sign honestly a, a guy if not Bellinger, a damaged guy. And, and that you're going to have to pay to hit in the middle of that order or else you're wasting your time with Hap and Horner and Suzuki and so on.
0: Yeah, you, you could use a you could use a starting pitcher. And they didn't exactly. Yeah,
1: Snow, you know, he hasn't been healthy. It's hard to pay guys yeah. that have a history of not being able to post. You know, if you're paying them that kind of money and they don't post. You look a little stupid. So I, I understand year,
0: I mean and, last year Snell had a pretty healthy year and he came up six innings every year. And I, did he win the Cy Young or was he second of the he, yes. uh,
1: you know, But that If character? you look past, if you look beyond that, back in his past, he has some history of not being able to post. And it, you know, I mean, hey, injuries, none of us can predict. I certainly went through my share of the second half of my career. Most of us get hurt. That's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, You hope you can hold it off for as long as possible. But you mentioned one name, Jamie. I think that, that, you know, that's been kind of an enigma. But I think this kid is worthy of counting in when it comes to your plans. And that's that Morrell kid. Christopher uh, Morrell, he he brings a unique kind of five-tool package. You know, he does everything well when he's right and nobody plays with more joy. And you talk about being willing to pay, you know, to go right. watch guys play. Well, he's one I'll, I'll right. pay to watch play.
0: I'm totally with you. And he's got, he, you know, whatever happened to the deer and the daily double, there are no more nicknames. There's no more oil cans, but morale's nickname, Simo, at least he's got a nickname, man. Can, <laughs> can he adjust, you know, as you know, You got to adjust. The pitchers are going to adjust to you. If Morel can do that and keep his head, man, does he have some? Does he have some hidden power or what? I mean,
1: yeah, yeah, and he hasn't really quite. He's there. He's right on the cusp of learning sort of how to control his effort. You know, he's a max effort guy. Yeah. Sometimes his swings are max effort. You know, a, a lot. And when he learns fully how to sort of control that shortness swing a little bit be a little more patient at the plate become you be, become a veteran disciplined hitter uh, you got to get all that young guy undisciplined stuff out of your blood though yeah. and most guys who are worth their salt who can play have plenty of that that young guy vigor in them when they first arrive and they go off and yeah. do some special stuff and then the league goes no wait just a second. We're going to control your wild, so okay. Yeah. And they now he's starting to get, you know, the breaking balls and everything. He's looking a little wild and, and swinging and missing, blah blah blah. Now the question is always, can you adjust back off what the league adjusted on you? And so we're, I think we're in that process with Morrell. And if he does, I think he's a smart kid. I've talked with him, very respectful young man. Uh, I, I just think he's an underestimated entity in the Cub puzzle. And so I hope he continues to develop, if you will, and they can count on him as a key part of that puzzle.
0: Yeah, I agree. Again, where does he play? Does he play third base or second base? I mean, they've got so many pieces. You know, they had Bodie. They gave him some money. They have they've got all the shortstop second baseman third baseman pieces. They just need to uh
1: they need to find a guy that I can... hope he makes some forces the hand To say, you know, because he's so valuable, I hope he forces that hand that says, you know what? I don't care who you remove, but you got to get me in the lineup on an everyday basis. Yeah. Now, granted, he'll have his opportunities to rest or whatever against certain pitching. Maybe they're always strategic in that regard. But when a guy can dominate on a daily basis, you you have a hard time getting him out of the lineup. The question really is, where can he help us the most defensively? And if they sort of as a third, I don't know, is it center field? You know, I like Toshman. Uh There's Crow, you know, Crow Armstrong is right there on the front porch.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, but Morell, if Morell is that guy I'm kind of bragging about here, uh, then I don't care if it's, you know, you know, he, he may, he may, he may threaten somebody who you, who you think is an everyday count on him guy. He may threaten one of those guys. I don't know if it's third, second, center. As long as but they if don't he trade do him. You know? We think, you know, I, I got to have him.
0: Right. Don't trade him. The, uh, the, the uh, surprise deal in the fall with hiring Craig Council and getting rid of David Ross, I thought was, um, you know, to me, I've watched Craig Council, obviously, through the connection with the Brewers a lot. Mm-hmm. And. You know, is he three wins better than Ross or 10 wins better than Ross? Or um he obviously has more managerial experience than Ross did. And I thought Andy Green helped quite a bit with Ross. But, um, you know, hopefully he'll have some stuff, more stuff to work with than Antonio gave him in, in Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, he does. I mean, just, you know, generally speaking, I mean, market-wise, I mean, he does have more. He'll have more to work with. I mean, right in, in that world. But uh, what he did with what he had to work with in Milwaukee was pretty impressive. Yep. You know, a lot of those guys you didn't really knew their name. You didn't know their names <laughs> until council, you know, kept putting them in the lineup and they kept putting W's up and you said, "Oh, who's that?" Well, you know, who, who are those guys? You know, I really
0: I thought he was going to be hurt by the new rule where the guy had to face three batters because he just manipulated. Them. I mean, in the old call-up days in September, hell, the game would take, he'd make 10 switches in the in the uh, bullpen. He handles the bullpen pretty damn well. I'll give him that. And he's yeah. pretty calm. So
1: uh, well, I did get to talk with him briefly backstage. Uh, and we were standing around a lot of large mammals, Sutcliffe and Tim Stoddard. And, and I told him, I said, damn, Craig, I said, it's so good to have another normal-sized guy in the room you know with all these large people every turn, every, everywhere you turn there's there's so much bigger you know today's player yeah generally speaking overall uh they're just bigger people which is great you know my yeah. kids are bigger they're than me not,
0: they're not any faster than you were though I'll tell
1: you that no they are never going to be faster that was that was a ah, gift from
0: well, god I'm, you also were there you know uh the hall of fame the Cubs Hall of Fame they announced at the at the uh meet, at the convention this year Aramis. And Aramis Ramirez. And uh, just speaking personally, those guys were so thrilling to watch as a season, as a season ticket holder up there.
1: Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're some of my favorite cats, you know, that era of uh, Gary Wood and and Rami and, and uh, Ted Lilly and uh, Dempster, on and on. I got to see those cats. And I went on Dempster's show that he does on Friday night, kind of the yeah. the Johnny Carson show, the Cubs convention. And anyway, you just you know you, some things never change. But I told them, you know, now you guys are the old timers. We're the grandpas, and there's still some of the great grandpas hanging around too. So you know, welcome, welcome to Old Timerville. Yeah, you know, and and they take it really well, and they they're very they're so respectful, Jamie, and and uh, sort of honor me with any of that type of respectful interaction. And I'm always, you know, sort of taken aback that I am. You know, we are the way back machine now. You know, 40 yeah. year reunion. I remember in 84, we won, the Cubs hadn't won in 39 years, and we won the division. So everything went nuts. And and we said, damn, that was 1945. Yeah. Now, that's a long time ago. That's World War II. <laughs> well, now we're World War II, kind of. We're the old way back machine. And, yeah. well, and it's, just, it's just kind of cool to sort of watch the movie unfold in that regard.
0: Now I still have a few years on you, but I mean, now guys our age are passing away. And instead of saying, boy, he died young, it's too bad. They're all saying, well, he lived a good life. And it's like, whoa, that these guys my age. And, yeah. uh, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, with uh, I was at that game where Kerry Wood struck out 20 guys. And it was in the old days where they had a little poor man's club up in the uh, uh, second level. And Jimmy, the bartender, was there for, for decades. And uh, it was a miserable day that, that he struck out 20 Astros. And I think half of them were up. I saw half of them on TV up in the club. But that was a highlight. I've seen a few highlights. I saw David Clyde make his first appearance and for the Texas Rangers, walk the bases loaded and strike out the side. That was pretty cool. Uh, unfortunately, that was one of the highlights of his short career. But... You know, I I replayed a couple times your uh, Inside the Park walk-off home run that Harry Callis broadcast, and there's something special. You know, I didn't play football, basketball, or baseball professionally, but there's something special about baseball. You guys, you know, I sat down with a number. you You guys can remember so many details and come up with a pitch that your buddy threw you in the ninth inning, and you remember all the details. Ramirez man hit two of the I've been to thousands of baseball games. The the Mother's Day home run and the bottom of the tenth he hit and another I so I started just kind of when I saw that he got in, I looked at the YouTube on those things. And again, it's len Casper. Um I watched the Tony Kubek sounds of the game and he talked about how great Dwayne's stats was. But the broadcasters, and I know you love broadcasting. I love broadcasting. I'm not uh lucky enough to be the Ben Scully of the world, but God, they make baseball so much more fun. Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and the guys, you know, the, the, today's world, there's some, there's some turnover maybe here and there, but uh, there was back in the, in the olden days too, but I think (laughs) you can find guys, uh, you know, like Pat Hughes today, you know, who's obviously a hall of fame broadcaster and been on the radio now for I don't know how many decades. I don't want to date him, but he's been out there a while. Right, goes back to Milwaukee days, right? Sure does. And so, anyway, he—he's a good example of that, sort of that stick to itiveness. And you know, it's not an easy gig. I can tell you, I kind of resisted that opportunity a little bit. Uh, I did some, but I also knew I played and I coached. And you know, when you're under the bubble, when you're gone, I was that was 20 years of my life playing and coaching, you know, you're fully committed and you're under that bubble. So you're gone from your family and, you know, eight, nine months in the year or more. And, 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 um, you know, you suddenly you shake it off and you go, wow, you know, what happened to all those years? It just, cause they go so quick. And I noticed that the last 12 years, I've been home playing a hundred rounds of golf a year, the clock slowed down. Yeah. And so I've really thoroughly enjoyed that. Part of it that I have really had a full dose of grandchildren and my wife and sure. you know even my, my mom we still look after my mom and others friends and and just normal kind of what people would call normal life that believe me I'm not bitching here I'm not complaining because I enjoyed every bit of that and and wouldn't trade it for the world but what we miss most of the time those of us that are under that bubble is being home yeah and just kind of doing normal whatever everyday stuff. And so I got to tell you, being away from it now, other than, you know, I do plenty of ambassador type, you know, old timer type stuff with the Cubs in particular. And I was up in Philly in August. The clock slowed down, you know, Mm. I've really been able to breathe and enjoy and kind of, you know, soak it up.
0: Well, people like me just have no concept of a 162 game schedule which is after a 30 game spring training and then if you're lucky enough to get in the playoffs how that is I mean I loved baseball in high school baseball 20 games we played 80 in the in college and uh, most of those I saw from the bench but that's a grind man I mean physically mentally and then you got to produce I mean it's unbelievable the the caliber of players like yourself and I'm not throwing smoke on you. It just you and lots of other guys. I can, you know, look through cards and, and find all sorts of guys that are, you know, heroic. But
1: um, so I got I, I
0: a ball. I don't know why. It might have been one of Nellie's. And I'm not sure that you're on the ball because it's hard to read some of these signatures because guys sign. Mine's pretty good. I mean, if you do, if it's on there, you mean, usually. You this, can... this is an old ball that Nelly had, not taken very good care of. But some of the guys I could see. This is why I think you. It was Schmidt, Ron Reed, Carlton, Sparky Lyle, Greg Gross, yeah, uh, Lee Ilya, Rose, some guy named Aguano, Manny Trio, yeah. Louis
1: Aguayo. Yeah.
0: Wouldn't that be your era?
1: yeah no i i was around that team uh, i played with that bunch and and uh depending on what year right uh, um 80 81 82 83 right through there sparky right. was only with this golly i, I should remember this i want to say 82 if okay. i remember right maybe i could be wrong but i i'm trying to remember mm-hmm. when they acquired him he uh, he was, you know, long and tooth at that point. He had been around quite a few years, but he helped us out of the bullpen. And I remember he's the reason I broke my foot in 82 spring training. He had that nasty slider, you know, that broke down and in on right-handed hitters. And in and and batting practice one day in spring training in 82, I hit one off my front foot and it hurt a little extra more than it normally did because i did that occasionally most of us do sure. and you know you just kind of pop up and hobble around a little bit and shake it off and you you know continue your at bat well that particular day in spring training it hurt and it stung and when i got up and i put pressure on it really stung and i and so spring training they said "Ah, get out of here you're going to take the rest of the day off no you know when a regular season game so okay fine i and I did shake it off a day or two later. I was fine. You know, I didn't think nothing of it. But in the spring of 85, three years later, I had a uh, ganglion cyst had formed on top and an inflamed bursa sac on top of what they said was an old fracture. And I said, well, that, that had to have happened three years ago because I had done it, you know, in between that time a few times and didn't. Didn't get hurt, or you know, I was fine. So it was Sparky Lyle and spring training of '82. <laughs> See that went, when that happened? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I think it was '82 when Sparky was around, and, and and in that time frame.
0: And that would have been a team you were on, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: Mean, right. So my Green, name, is Young, Dallas Green, brother. was
0: your guy, and he's he's on the sweet spot. So oh,
1: if Dallas is on the sweet spot. Then that was the 1980 team. Oh, which maybe Sparky came over that September. That would make sense uh, that uh, he came over in that September. Cause that's when I came up for the first time I, was September of 80. So I may know. not be on that ball. That might just be the 25 man roster ball.
0: Well, and of course I know that you came up for the proverbial cup of coffee. That was the year I got out of the uh, Marine Corps and fell into season tickets. And it happened to be the year that the, uh, Royals finally beat the Yankees to get into the uh, World Series and lose to you guys um the hemorrhoid year for George the, yeah. the hemorrhoid year, yeah man uh those were the Royals they A fun year it's a fun sport it's a fun deal it's great to talk to you man i appreciate I appreciate you coming on stay safe down in Florida, you dog going down there and getting warm and believe me if uh if you're free and and uh I know you like to talk baseball as much as I do. We'll get, get back together and do another podcast. So there's not much yeah. money in it for us.
1: <laughs> Anytime, Jamie. You know, I always enjoy it. All right, buddy. Thank you. The legend right. of
0: Bobby Dernier. I'm going to put you on hold. Don't go anywhere. Well, there you have it, folks. It's always fun to talk to Bobby Dernier, man. i tell you what. He is just a great guy and and uh, fun to uh hear his stories with the Phillies and with the Cubs and Virgin islands and Nelly. And he, he and I go back a little bit. So that's fun. He's a Kansas city guy and a great golfer. So, uh, there you have the, uh, opening, the opening of on the lighter side of baseball. Uh, as usual, I talk too much, but, uh, I think I, you know, this year I'm going to try to let the guests talk a little more, you know, maybe you never know. So Spotify, soundcloud and a lot of other things and maybe man maybe we'll get a little five minutes with ryan sandberg after they dedicate his statue yeah count on that anyway thanks for listening and uh we will talk next time